Welcome to episode 8 of Orophonic, a podcast about Podfic. Today your hosts are Dodificus and Jennifer. Hi. Today's topic is on Podfic and money. Yay. Are you making lots of money off your Podfic, Jen? <laughs> Not currently. <laughs> I'm, I'm rolling around long. in all my money. <laughs> I know. I just take a bath in it nightly. It's so amazing. Right? Yeah, pretty much. Um, just first, really quickly, we don't really have any news this month, other than the fact that there are a couple things currently running, which is Pod Together, people should be working on and doing their check-ins, and then the WAGFAPE, which is the Women Gender, <laughs> Gender Fluid Annual Podfic Exchange, is currently running as well. So you can't sign up for either of those, but be waiting excitedly for their output, which will start soon. <laughs> All right, so we didn't get any actual uh, audio talkbacks for last episode, but we did get a few comments on the AO3 post. Um, so the first one was from Susan Boyd, who has said, nice tips. The one I'd add for newbies is keep your drafts, which I have never done in my entire life. <laughs> Because you're crazy. I keep a draft I at know. the end of like everything. You should never take my advice. <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, I think the main thing for newbies probably is, and for anybody really, is to say like, if you make an original file that's your original recording, just leave that and don't touch it and then make a yeah. copy and edit on that. So you'll always be able to go back to it. How many copies you make after the fact, like I tend to do it after any kind of long editing session or or I, I tend to do a bunch of edits and then splice stuff to, you know, reconnect stuff and then do more edits after another listen. So I'll make, I'll save drafts in between those, but you don't have to, Yeah, you know, but save your first untouched copy because you might want to go back to something. Yeah. I can see why as a newbie, that would be super helpful if you make these dramatic changes and then be like, Oh, that doesn't actually work. Yeah. You might not cut totally out, screwed. You can cut out a sentence and be like, listen to it later and be like, huh, I have cut something out and it'll be in your original <laughs> draft. So there you go. <laughs> Um, the second comment was from Love the Heaven, and she said quite a few things, but uh, she did mention that she edits using Sony Vegas, um, and she also does her cover art on there. So I guess it's because it's an audio and video editor, as far as I know. Um, so that's another recommendation for a program. Mm -hmm. um, and she mentioned asking if we would feature Podfic recs from other people, which of course we would. If you send mm -hmm. in, instead of a talk back on the episode, if you send us an audio rec of a podfic that you like, we would be happy to feature it. So by all means, Definitely. send them our way. Yeah. Very cool. We love any kind of talkbacks related to the episode or something you'd like to see or recs. Yeah, we love Yeah, them. whatever you like. We'd love to hear your voices, basically. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so without further ado, today's topic, podfic and money. I know this is, or it can be, depending on what you're talking about, can be a controversial topic. I've never gotten as passionate or worked up about it as I have seen some people, and definitely some of my friends definitely are, are um, passionate one way or the other about the place of money in fandom, yeah. or even if it should have a place. Yeah, I but think it's a tricky one. I think I think it's a bit of a grey area, and I think Podfic has another level to it because if if and we're going to talk about several things we're not going to talk about just using podfic itself but also jumping off points for how you could use your podfic skills to yes to earn money but we'll come to that later yeah. on so first of all just flat out you know podfic to earn money for yourself 
which I think because you're pod faking somebody else's work, unless you are doing your own story, unless you're really in agreement with the author where they're going to get a portion of it or something. And then if you go one back further than that, you have an issue with the author is fanficking an original work where their work is a, you know, a, a transformative work of that. Then you have another gray area. So this is why people get up in arms about it because it's not as if you've just written something out of your head and then you've put it into a microphone. You know, there's, there's several steps back where other yeah. people have. It's yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, you, you'll see charity drives where people will offer podfic. And I think often charity drives are kind of the accepted method, you know, because it's going to charity, you're not taking the money yourself. Most people know, although not all are usually okay with that. Um, although again, you got to check with the author, you know, it's, it's your own choice, whatever you want to put online and, and asking for money for it is there's, there's some question marks there. So just be careful whatever you're doing. (laughs) Podfic is different than fanfic. Like there's literally no way for you to turn around and be like this podfic I've I've already done. I'm going to try and put it into the real marketplace because it's always based on a previous work. And that, you know, you can't file off the serial numbers in the way that you do with fanfic, because if your fanfic is such an AU, you know, or not, whatever, <laughs> um, that you're able to, to do that filing off, then you can just turn around and, and submit it to publishers or whatever. But th- exactly. that would never we happen with podfic, that, because, you know, they're no, always I... going to be looking for audio fic of a established work, you know, like there's, yeah, there's no connection there. It's impossible. <laughs> So you've got to do new things. What we really wanted to talk about was ways that you can use your podfic skills in real life um, that could have a monetary component. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, part of that is using your podfic skills to, to actually transition or play with professional work with audiobooks and voiceovers and things like that, mm-hmm. which... I, I mean, there are definitely people in fandom that have done that already, moved into the professional sphere with their pod picking skills, which I think is fantastic. If you're sitting down and doing a 10-hour pod pick of, you know, whatever fan work, you are creating an audiobook, no questions asked. Um, and we've talked in the past about how concerned people are about their skill level or what how worried they are about editing or what they're putting out. And I, I think there's going to be some people on one end of the spectrum who are going to say, I do podfic fully for fun. I don't, I'm not interested in having that extra stress of creating a, a, prod, a product that somebody else is going to pass judgment on. Um, mm-hmm. And if you're in that school, then yeah, this is not for you. Um, <laughs> but if you're thinking, Hey, I'm spending all this time on this thing and I'm really good at it. And why, you know, I, I may not want to do it for my main job, but why can't I get something out of it? Then, yeah, I think audiobooks are a great avenue because you're already basically doing it. Exactly. And the audiobook world is no longer a situation where you have to go into a studio and record something. Exactly. If you're a normal yeah. person. Um, things are popping up, uh, the biggest of which I think is ACX, which we're going to talk about, um, where you can just record something at home and turn it in and they will give you money. So, um, 
basically. You make it sound a lot easier than it is. Potentially there's a couple more steps there. What? (laughs) Um, Yeah, so Dodie talked to Lunchy, who has been working with ACX, um, about how you can get started with that and what some of the complications are. And here is that interview. Hi, this is Dodificus, and I'm here with Lunchy to talk about her experiences going pro using her podficking skills. Hi. <laughs> so what's the website that you got onto? Um, so I was recommended the, um, the audiobook exchange, ACX. You can just Google ACX and it'll come up. And it's basically um, run by Audible, the audiobook company. Yep. Uh, and it, and its goal is to link together people rights holders, so the people who own the rights to whatever um, text, and people like us who can produce audiobooks or produce, you know, audio work. Yeah, yeah. Um, the whole process is basically for from from our point of view, it would be that uh, you or, you audition or get chosen. For work, based on an audio example that you have. That's right. So when you when you start up, um, they encourage you to put up samples of your own work. This is probably not too relevant for us because if you put up your own samples and you think that's it, and then someone's going to choose me, <laughs> there's like thousands and thousands of um, narrate hopeful narrators on there. So, so unless you have to you're be a bit more proactive. You really do. Like, even if you're extremely famous, you know, um, you know, like real life famous, or you basically need to have worked on as a voice work on like a cartoon, you know, yep. or something like that for people to know your name so that they can go and search for you and look for your work and yep. that sort of thing. Or they would have needed to like listen to previous work that you've done, liked you, and gone and sought out and sought you out. Yep. So about apparently thirty percent of the work gets. Um, actually the rights holders will go directly to um to the narrator and yeah. offer them work most of the time 70 80 percent of the time it's going to be that a bunch of narrators or um will audition for the same work and hopefully get chosen for it so how did you find that process i uh, i didn't find it too bad uh, so the acx company they're based in america a lot of their rights holders are american um and because it's not so this is one of the things that you can't really control is that they have a vision for what they want their work to be. Yeah. And if you don't fit that, then they knock you back. Which is fair enough. That's fair enough. They, if they're shoveling out the money yeah. to get their work done, then they have a right to pick and choose whoever they like. So yeah. a lot of the time my knockbacks would be, well, uh, and this is a, another thing, if you don't like not hearing or not knowing like <laughs> what the outcome is going to be. Yeah. There will be times when you audition for something and you'll never hear back. It'll just be in a state of limbo. That rights holder has gone away They and whatever. Yeah. Um, the second thing is they will um, knock you back using the system. So they'll choose somebody else and the automated system will go and say, you weren't chosen for this. Yeah. Sometimes they will um, contact you directly and say, you just weren't right for this. Yeah. Um, so, and because of, I, I can only talk of my experience as uh, somebody who doesn't, uh, possess an American or a UK accent. <laughs> so this is so ACX is officially open to the UK and to America. But if you have if you live outside of those areas, there are ways to work around that. 
so yeah, so basically most of my knockbacks were like, you don't have the right accent. Yes. If you can do the accent, we can do it. And I'm like, I I can't. So <laughs> <laughs> Well, that's fine, you know. But there were some but there were some projects that were like, Yep, that's fine. Yeah. And and they accepted it. So and they didn't I got care that you had the Australian accent. No, they didn't seem to, to mind that much about it. So <laughs> um I um and if they did, I didn't hear about it. Yeah. Yeah. So how much work did you get? Um, when the during the period that I was actively going and doing it, uh probably about 10 projects something like that wow that's a lot yeah it's uh but it okay and so here we come back to the caveat about me not being from the UK or from America this blocks you from a lot of projects yeah so if you're a UK you're from the UK you need to have tax information for the UK or for America yeah um and if you have both of those you're open to so many more projects there's uh three types of projects one is royalty share projects, which is that you don't get paid up front. You just get paid half and half yeah. um, of whatever they make. Second is projects that come with a stipend, which the audio, the Audible company will pay you on top of the royalty or, or money that you would get yeah. as an incentive for people to – and these would only uh, – I think I don't know how they choose those um, projects. I think they, they must be um, works they consider to be – you know, really good or something like that, and they want to get yeah. more people to audition for them. Yeah, um, you can't go for either of those because you, <laughs> yeah, you can't go for rules. Yeah, you can't go for stipend if you're not from the UK or from Australia. As and so you know, so because you can't, um, you it, it's because um, for audio audible to send you money, they need your tax information yeah. and they need to be able to you know tax you for it. Um, and so you can't because you don't, you don't possess, have one. <laughs> you don't possess UK or I don't possess yeah. UK or US tax information. So I can't do it. Um, and those are, that tax information is to say that you are uh, citizens of those, of those areas. So not how that did you, you get around that? Um, so the third option, um, that is that the, you get paid per hour of what, um, uh, paid per hour per finished hour. Yeah. Um, and the rights holder pays you directly, and that's yeah. the way you can get around it because they don't need you. They like most of the time I got most of the time all the time I got paid through PayPal. Okay, so they didn't need me to give them tax information or whatever it was. It was a direct transaction. Yeah, didn't need to go through um, Audible. So that's how you can get around that if you're not from the UK or from the US. You are limited to only being able to audition for paid. Finish um for finished hours yeah works if that makes sense yeah, yeah. No, that makes sense yeah so I mean did you enjoy the experience why yeah. did you stop being so active I stopped being so active mainly because the overwhelming work that was paid for finished hour um that I could get that didn't say whether or not they um were looking for a specific accent yeah. Basically, it was erotica <laughs> that wasn't really well written. Like, you didn't want to spend your time. Like, you looked at it and you're like, oh, I can't do that because that would just that would just bore me to tears and also be awful. So there's a lot of that. Um, there's a lot of – and, of course, the paid-for um, per-finished hour stuff is also quite um, attractive to a lot of narratives because with yeah. the royalty share ones, you're like, how how is this really going to go? It could go and either way. 
pretty much if you're going to um, eke out like 10 hours of finished product and you know how hard that's going yeah. to be yeah. like and how much time you've got to dedicate to that to come to the end of that and not actually get, yeah, receive anything. money <laughs> because, you know, by the end of royalty share, I mean, they say that it can get to the, you know, the thousands and stuff like that. But if you're, if it doesn't do too well, like where does that leave you? Yeah. So that's why um, paid for finished, paid per finished hour is quite attractive. Yeah. Um, and so they can, they just are much more competitive. They only comprise about maybe three to 5% of the work that is actually on the site. Wow. So it's, yeah, so you just, it's very, very limiting. Um, the things that are that are on offer are not going to be very long because if it is paid for finished hour, they're not going to, yeah. um, you know. Some projects can pay $200 to $400 per finished hour. Those are the projects oh, you're wow. not going to if, you're, if you don't possess the UK or the American accent. Yeah. It's not going to happen. <laughs> so, um, so in that, so for the, the reason why I stopped using it so much was like, I, you know, in order to utilize this really properly from where I am, I really should get an American accent because a lot of the knockbacks <laughs> that I was getting was just, you don't possess the right accent for can this. You, can you give me an example of your fake American accent? No, I don't possess one. You haven't been working on it? No. Well, because, <laughs> Uh, it just, you know, it, it's a lot of time to devote to it. So that's the second <laughs> thing as well is like if you're not, um, like Podfix really, I've I've been spoiled a lot by Podfix in that I can do whatever I want, spend exactly. as much time as I want, yeah, and not have to really change my style for you know to do it. It's and hard actually to go from awesome. pretty much complete creative freedom to being you know told. And not being able to choose your project as well up to a point. Yeah. I mean, you're choosing it in a way because you, if you get chosen for the project but you haven't actually seen the entire work, you have a period of time where you accept the offer or you decline the offer. Yep. So you can request that they give you the whole work so you can read it. And I made that mistake of they gave me it. I didn't read the whole thing. I ended up going like, whoa. <laughs> um, but then the money came in. So what are, what are you really going to do about that, yeah. you know? Look, if it works it's out, a job. It's a job. It's a job. You know. Yeah. You're not always going to like the job. No. So that's so that's <laughs> one thing. Um, and then, you know, if you're going to do it for money, then it leaves you a lot less time to actually work on things that you want to work on. Yeah. Second, That's the secondary thing. And, and of course, just because you're limited to, well, because I was limited to um, very small percentage of projects, it was a lot, like, it made it a lot harder to, um, get work. So for the like ten or so projects that I picked up, I must have auditioned for like two hundred or yeah. something like that. Yeah, like heaps. Yeah, but you like just I mean that's just how it goes. I understood that going into the into the website. So that's why I wrote that document because I yeah. was. And um, we'll, we'll link to that in the post as well. Yeah. So I just talk about like you know if these things concern you, you know you might not want to give. Don't don't do it. You, you might not want to give it a try. I mean, give it a try all you like, but if you – the reason that people do enjoy Podfic is, like, being able to experiment, being able – not being judged on, you know, like, the quality of your yeah. sound, being judged on how you do things, not needing somebody to come in and say, like, oh, but can you do it another way? My experience <laughs> with that sort of thing is, like, usually they just come in and say, I don't like uh, – you mispronounce something, can you pronounce it another way? Yeah. Um, or the correct way. Um, <laughs> but, 
I mean, because there is a possibility that somebody might come back and say, I don't like how you did this. You can, can you just change it? Yeah. You know, and that's their right because the it's written into the contract that yeah. they can oh, do. Understandably. Can do. And if you can't yeah. handle that, then. Exactly. Um, so, yeah, I think that's basically, you know, because I was spoiled for, you know, actually doing Podfic that I enjoyed yeah. versus the limited amount of works that I could actually or even audition for. Yeah. Um, my accent and yeah the just the enjoyability of it it was a good experience I mean it just taught me that people were willing to pay me for (laughs) do it I mean that was the one thing that coming into it where I was like is this gonna happen because you know like our community is so nice yeah and fandom as a whole is very welcoming and the people who who support you they really support you yeah so, but that's a completely different ball game from oh, going completely to different something. world. Yeah. So and so when I did it, when I first entered, I thought, I don't know if I'm, you know, going actually. I don't know if anyone's actually um, going to be interested in paying me to to <laughs> do these things. Um, it turned out that they they did. So they that was good. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But I I I really do think that if you do, especially if you're American especially if you're American, you're going to get work through that site. So if you're US or UK, definitely recommend checking it out. Yeah, I'm not sure about because I haven't been on there for so long, but the U- I don't know what the proportion of UK um, works are. I'm there's thinking basically it would be a lot higher than the Aussie accent. Oh, yeah, definitely. Yeah. <laughs> but there's <laughs> things to um, they, they do have this you can choose or you can uh, – not choose but they do they do cite like um I would like you to have like a southern accent I would yeah. like you to have that kind of accent um or it, only if you can do those things should you audition for the work yeah like um I remember if you do you know uh dream spinner the the name's familiar what they um uh, they publish like online gay erotica like yeah. and a lot of fan fiction authors jump onto dream spinner yeah. and and you know um self-publishing people like that yeah like i can't really think of any titles at the moment but you know for us um had we done though like we could do those podfix um podfix of the their fandom works yeah but we can't do the um <laughs> podfi- um audiobooks of, of the their of their original work yeah I auditioned for it and they said, you're a girl. Oh. <laughs> we're not We're not giving it to you because you're a girl and the, these are two dudes fucking each other. You clearly don't have any what? experience. Oh, my God. <laughs> yeah, well, that was the knockback. The, the knockback was, I'm sorry, at this time, um, because these, uh, these are <laughs> two men, uh, can't, you can't, we're not going to offer it to you. That's Fair hilarious. Enough. Fair I mean, enough. That, I, I know it makes sense, but, like, from – from where yes. I'm sitting, it's just madness. <laughs> Fair enough. It's not like I don't have a repository of 150 hours of butt fucking. That's fine. <laughs> but you know, that's um um yeah. So it's a just it's a it's a really different world. You don't get to be able to do all these other different characters if they sense that you're not the right gender yeah. or not the right you know, <laughs> um to do the work as they envision it. Then um you get knocked back. That's yeah. fine. That's fine. I did it just to see if I could do it, and they said, and they gave me the knockback that I expected, which yeah. was that I was not the right. <laughs> I was not the right gender. You're a lady. 
you're not, I mean, not masculine enough for us. It's, it's really, so that's why you don't. So really, and that's, you need to be a man and you need to be North American to really <laughs> be You successful. need to be a man if you want to read, um, me, like, gay erotica. Yeah. There's probably lesbian erotica that you that we could try for like and that would not um but I don't know any lesbian imprints that have that were on ACX at the time I saw heaps of gay imprints yeah gay press imprints that were on there and that just wiped out you know a lot of the like the options that you could do if they weren't looking for female narrators then you couldn't really do anything that's oh yeah well so, so that's also a good um function that they have on the website is that you they you can filter down to whatever is applicable to you. Your your characteristics or criteria or whatever. Pretty much you can search by like people looking for Southern accents, people looking for women, works that I only want, you know, yeah. that, it, that you, you would be likely to um, get if you audition for it. Yeah. Or likelier to get. Had a higher probability. So have you put this on your resume? No, it's not really applicable to anything that I... That you would go for. Um, yeah. <laughs> uh, which is unfortunate. I mean, it would have been really nice if I could have... Because I don't really see how I can... Uh, I'm, so I'm interested in, in listening to the episode now because I would like to know what <laughs> I could put on my resume that would reflect, you know, but then but then, what kind of jobs could I go for with those? And, and so I'm quite interested. So this- I'm quite interested. It's something Parika's really, really into. Like she can kind of spin all of her skills and everything into making it sound really professional and relevant to, to what she does. Um, I wanted to say as well that mm-hmm. it's not just ACOs that you can go and do these things through. There are a number of websites. Um, because podcasting is so big right now, mm-hmm. there's a lot of um, small print, um, independent print companies that have an online faction and they do ask for people to narrate. Yep. Um, so I do have, I'm with one right now and I got some work through them. It's very, it's not a lot of money, but like there are opportunities outside of ACX and probably like, and probably on places that you wouldn't think to like, you wouldn't think exist, but they exist. And yeah. so, no, yeah. send me the links and I'll, I'll add them as well. So people can go check them out. Um, there's only one that I know, like, <laughs> There's only one that I've actually actively, like, used. Um, it's not that. So I, I don't really know how to explain it. But um, I saw, like, there was a link on Twitter that said that they were looking for writers for some sort of science fiction thing. So I clicked on that and they had a podcast. They were also looking for narrators. Yeah. So, I, yeah. So, and I joined their database and I got, like, some work through them. So that's so there. You just, I guess, if you know those kinds of, you know, small niche print websites or story websites and stuff like that, they might also do a a podcast and might need narrators and stuff like that. So yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) It could be. It could be something. There are opportunities out there, but we. I it's. I think it's an emerging field. So (laughs) I think so too. I mean. Yeah, you've never heard of anything like this, like open source kind of, of stuff when I, you know, first started picking. I don't mm. know how long ACX has been around, but, yeah, this is – I've only heard of it recently. Oh, uh, yeah, I'm not I'm not too sure myself. 
they they when I first joined ACX, they hadn't opened up to the UK yet. Yeah, they did look, say that they were looking to open um, globally, but I mean, I guess the tax information for that is quite tricky. Like yeah. legally on their side, it must yeah. be quite quite tricky. Yeah. Anything else you wanted to bring up that you can remember? I mean, check it out if you haven't already. I do know that there's definitely a lot of pod figures that are actually already on the site and making money off that site. So um, it's not too hard to navigate um, and you can be making some money off of it if you if you want to go down that route. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, if, you f- if you feel like you want to spend the time doing it, if you're okay with um, maybe not doing the same quality of work that you're quite used to pod picking. But, you know, if you do, um, So did you I find um, sound quality-wise you had to? No, I didn't have to change anything. Didn't change anything. I didn't, but I've, I've never been a pod figure that's had um, problems with my audio too much. Yeah. I've always been quite lucky to be in spaces where the audio was quite um, constant. Yeah. Uh, so it's never been an issue, but it could be, but it, it's when you're auditioning for it. And if you do have like, if it's, if the audio isn't clear, if there are distractions in the background, that all points to, you know, the person who listens to it going like, well, I can't, I can't pick that person because yeah. they, they it's don't have a, a polished, finished product. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I'm not really sure what else there is to well, say about it <laughs> thanks for taking time to talk to me and i'm i was really interested so, <laughs> thank you lunchy thank you it still seems to me like uh if you're not a u.s citizen mm-hmm. or even to a lesser degree a uk citizen it's going to be a lot a lot of effort to get to the point where you can make some money off of it yeah i agree a lot of hoops to jump through. It sounds like they're definitely putting up. Um, and I understand. I mean, part of this, okay, I work in taxes, so I apologize for anything <laughs> that um, gets complicated. But part of that is a tax situation. The difference that she's saying where the pay by the hour thing versus royalties, those are two different tax situations. One of them is a cut and dried, your country where you're doing the work should tax you. The other one involves tax treaties. And that's why they're shying away from it. Because yeah. that the paperwork on the tax treaty end is much more complicated because the U.S. Um, will levy substantial fines on a company who does that paperwork wrong or doesn't <laughs> withhold tax when they should have. And that's part of the problem. I have a feeling, I mean, Amazon, the book site, does this and does it fine. You know, it is a pain to do all the paperwork, but you can do it. But I think, yeah. you know, like she's saying about voices, a lot of these people just want um, an English voice or an American voice. So they're probably thinking, why bother to expand to the rest of the exactly. world? We're not looking for these yeah. voices anyway, which is really a shame because obviously there are great readers in many countries. And if Potika was here, I'm sure she'd say, hey, what about Canada? Yeah, <laughs> so. yeah they're not that inclusive to, to other voices. They, they don't certainly don't go out of their way to, to make it easier yeah. for anyone that's yeah yeah so US I mean, is- we're looking into this um the three of us we're we're doing a little experiment whereby we try to sign up for things and i'll say that i as um a dual us uk citizen currently resident in the uk signed up for this site and it took me literally five minutes it was incredibly <laughs> easy 
I just brought my information <laughs> in, my social, everything like that. I could have, in fact, I'm sorry, I could have put either my UK or my US tax info and I would have been <laughs> fine, which is, you know. Damn just, you. I know, it's just depressing. I mean, I haven't explored a, a lot beyond that. I can see, you know, places where you can turn out additions or whatever, and I haven't really decided what I'm going to do if I'm going to do it. But um, yeah. but yeah, if you're in the UK or the US, I mean, and you're at all interested, you know, go and do it because it is very simple to sign up. Definitely that bit isn't a problem. Whereas on the other end of the spectrum, Parika has been like <laughs> a month long saga. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So she's in Canada and she does have a way to have a US. I mean, there are ways for Canadians to have US bank accounts and things like that address, you know, um, but it's still complicated because of the tax situation. So yeah. We are, she is in conversation with somebody at, at ACX and we're seeing how it will work. And if we, if we can later, we might do an extra where we report back to that. Also, if you're interested in more tax information, I could give more information in that way. If people wanted it, I don't know. I don't want to bore everybody in this podcast with it um, <laughs> because I've been sending multiple emails to Panika and Dodie and they may, they may, they may not be that I'm Like, oh God, another tax email. <laughs> Uh, yeah it's just my life you know <laughs> um yeah so the so i mean i think this is if if you are in the us or the uk this is an is a great opportunity it's it's the best way to springboard directly from podfic to audiobooks and as lenchi was saying like she's gotten you know setting aside the issue of accents and how many she applied for and everything i mean she did projects and was paid for them. So that means that yeah. somebody who is at a pod figure level, and obviously Lenchi is a very good pod figure, but you know, as someone who's at a pod figure level can turn around and submit things and be on the level that, that they're expecting for, you know, for it to be skill wise. So I think that's a yeah. great thing to know. Mm -hmm. um, and I think you've got a friend who has gotten into professional work in a different way than the ACX website. Yeah. I have a friend here in the UK now. She's not a pod figure. Um, but she was interested in voiceover work uh, just as to do on the side of her regular job. And she actually went to a course where she where they talked, you know, they helped her complete demos and everything. But when I asked her about it, she said, well, if you know, I now have bought equipment and everything I do, I do it at home. So yeah. she signed up for a couple websites, one of which was paid, one of which isn't. And I'll I'll do the links to those. Star Now is a UK website and voice123.com, I think, is worldwide. Um, but you can make a profile on sites such as those. There are many more. If you search voiceover work, there are lots of others. I just, I know that she's done these and actually gotten work from them. So I know they're yeah. legit. Um, you don't have to have an agent. You don't have to have anything like that. Like you would for, you know, a proper acting job, but you upload samples of yourself doing, in her case, she's done like TV items, you know, like in between programs, like, you know, yeah. and next at four o'clock we have, you know, so-and-so, you know. That kind of thing. She's done a so voiceover for like a business training. You can program. totally get that job, Jen. That was awesome. <laughs> she's I want to watch that thing at 4 p.m. <laughs> Don't you? Aren't you so excited? <laughs> um, she's done a voiceover for like business training programs. Um, she's done, I'm trying to think what else, like quite a few, just like all the little kind of things. And I know it's, um, yeah. oh, I know, a phone, you know, where it says, our menu yeah. options have changed. Please yeah. press two if you, you know, whatever, <laughs> like one of those, like she's done all that kind of stuff. So, and, and she says she's making money on it, you know, yeah. not like insane amounts, but it's, but she's happy with her effort to money ratio. So I think that's a, a really good option. And also in a way less 
time and effort being put in because a lot of them are, are going to be short, um, short little things. I think the hardest thing there, having listened to her demos myself, would just be getting, you know, getting those kind of voices because it's a completely different voice type than pod picking yeah. the storytelling yeah. thing. So, um, yeah. but if you, I mean, you know, a little bit of acting there, but just, just in general, like, I think it's, I think it's another good option. I'm not sure about the tax side of those, but I would say uh, from a professional standpoint, because those things are less likely to involve royalties and are more likely to be a flat fee based on whatever you're providing them, that that probably means the tax complication won't be there. So yeah. that's a good sign. Um, yeah, but those, I, th- I think that's, um, you know, I, I think that's another great option for, you know, beyond just the audiobook market itself. Mm. I, I mean, I Googled uh, after talking to Lunchy, I, I Googled and, and I couldn't find anything that was Australia based, basically. Yeah. I'm sure there there is something, but I couldn't, I couldn't easily locate it. Yeah. So it, it does seem to be very Northern Hemisphere. It's so frustrating. Which is, it, I mean, I can understand why that is, but yeah, it is a bit frustrating. I mean, you know, they're looking for, and I say this as a person with a bog standard North American accent, but you know, that's, that's <laughs> what they're looking for, you know. And, yeah, of course. No, and, that is what they're looking for. Yeah. And you could see how on this side as well, people, as they advertise themselves, they were very specific about their jobs and accents. And I saw people who did have not North American or not UK accents. So it is a possibility like people are getting work, but I think, and, and the work again, the same thing, they'd be like, I'm, we're looking for a North American Southern accent. And sometimes they even were like naming the States. So like, it, it, <laughs> like some of them were specific in, in what they were looking for. So you could kind of tailor yourself to that, but I think immediately your options are going to be lower, the less, you know, the yeah. less your yeah. accent no, fits I- into those larger categories, unfortunately. Yeah. Yeah, um, it's just but, the way it is. But we're interested in any experience people have had. If you mm. want to report back, like anything, um, how it's been, what's worked, what hasn't worked, what sites you're using, um, because I think this is something, you know, it, it, that's really useful for people to know if they're thinking about making the jump. So the other way that you can kind of uh, not not so much monetize your skills, but but use them as transferable skills, mm-hmm. um, which I know Lindsay has done a lot in the past with her uh, job applications, is, yeah, to work out how to word your skills in a way that translate to what the job is that you're applying for. Because we do have a lot of transferable skills, um, not just pod figures, but but most Spanish people. Mm-hmm, definitely. So her, I think her main um, guiding on this was just the way to kind of phrase things so that they would fit as a technical skill or as an organizational skill if you're if you're running any calm or if you're if you're working um with people like for instance obviously she's running Padica productions where a lot of people host their um podfic and that's a that's a lot of technical um it background but even if you're um you know, even things like technical audio pre-production, editing and post-production, you know, that kind of stuff. Those are things we're doing, you know, yep. when you sit down and edit your work. Um, and obviously it depends on the job that you're applying for, what would be, you know, a relevant right. thing I, to put down. I can't say that, that any of this is If very you're helpful. applying for a job as a waitress, probably none of this is going to be helpful. <laughs> yeah. I mean, when I'm, I'm, when I was in my recent job search, I, I did not 
really have anything on my CV that was related for this kind of stuff because there's there's nothing technically that matches in in my, yeah. my very small tax arena um, for international tax. But but I did put a few things like for instance I'm a NaNoWriMo or well, my last year was last year but I, I was for many years I was the London NaNoWriMo ML yeah. municipal liaison yeah. and so I put I have that under really under the hobby section but more as a like organizational and management experience because I I mean I think that would be as long as whoever's reading it you know has some kind of knowledge about what it is I think that'd be a really attractive yeah and I find you know people I find people ask about it no one's going to know what that is in my in my line of work but when you say I ran events upwards of 50 people or whatever 50 to 100 people like they're going to say oh what was this you know and then you can say well it's a writing group and blah blah blah." you know like you don't have to Um, and I think the same thing works for fandom. Like if you say I ran an online challenge for blah, 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 and organized, you know, 300 um, competitors or whatever, like you you yeah. can twist those things in such a way where it's legitimately true. You did do the work, but you don't have to use fandom terms, <laughs> which is where the awkward <laughs> comes in, right? Yeah, I read. The, I ran this porn fest, uh, you know, boy on boy. Yeah. I mean, hey, if you're applying for a job in the porn industry as a something that would be, then yeah, then that's great. <laughs> but otherwise, it might not work out for you. Um, <laughs> but I mean, I, I think I think this is a really good thought, and I think it's one of those things that people don't probably a lot of people don't think of because mm. um, I mean, it is the, the it is level, project the level completion. of tech skills. Sorry. The level of tech skills that you need yeah. for pre and post production, and as you said, the the time management skills, yeah, graphic skills. If you're doing cover art, yeah. Um, I mean, I I think that just in general, being comfortable with HTML and things like that, which you may do just if you're active online, those are things mm-hmm. that not. Ever, I mean, although. There are some things that I think, oh, of course, everybody knows that. And then you're in an office or whatever, and you realize that some people are just really bad at computers. So these are (laughs) things that you can add in to show that you do have more than just a basic knowledge, you know, (laughs) like, like if you have any web design at all, which is, which you totally might if you're active online, you know, it's very common. Yeah. Um, And muggles don't always, you know, even though you assume that's (laughs) standard. (laughs) Um, what else did she say? She said teamwork. If you're doing group projects, multi-voice projects, you know, you can talk about that kind of stuff. Um, and volunteering as well. Most of us have volunteered at some point or the other for, for something. Yeah, um, like audio fic archivists. I mean, that's a lot of, um, that's about time management, working to a deadline. Um, and, and yeah, HTML skills. Um, FTTP knowledge. Yeah, there's lots of stuff that you can kind of work around. Yeah, I, th- I think also um, some of it is just being aware of the terminology because podfic, which like that as a term, no one's going to know what it is. But as soon as you say audiobook, everybody will know yeah. because it's yeah. too, you know, it's that's a mesh in our culture now. So you can easily say, I will often say, you know, I work on audiobooks for, fr-. you know, everybody, everybody I know knows I know millions of writers. And I'll often say, well, I do audiobooks for, for friends writing so they can hear it and see, you know, for their use or yeah. whatever. Or you can say non-commercial audiobooks, you know, um, and and if you have been a part of 
group projects or like theatropod or something like that or be, you know like i did mm -hmm. that radio play which was actually a non-fanish site but it was still an online thing you can say the phrase radio play or you can say you know um like a theatrical thing online you know an audio only yeah. like those things will be understandable to people yeah and it's it's a comfort level thing like you may not be comfortable even entertaining yeah, you, the idea that <laughs> that they you, might I mean, ask you are further opening you'll be... a door and if they ask you yeah, for exactly. links or if they ask you for things like that you're going to be exactly you might you know might be a, <laughs> you might be a little more nervous you, you about have, it so you have to be if you put it down you have to be willing to yeah follow through if they ask for some evidence <laughs> yeah so i mean it's yeah, it's you're right. It's comfort level. You got to think about what you. But if you're doing a large amount online and you work in any kind of computer or technical industry or or anything where where these skills, I mean, at the very least, the teamwork stuff and things like that, you don't need to explain. You know, you can say group project with friends online or whatever. You know, and yeah. it still might be yeah. usable. Um, so just you know, as as far as you're willing to go, it, it it's worth noting as a something that we spend a large amount of time on. Um, and sometimes employers want to know what you do with your spare time, you know, are you just sitting around or are you doing something productive like this? And that's, yeah. you know, that only speaks well of you, I think. Yeah. So just before we do the recs, um, a couple of the other things we're going to link for you. One thing that we didn't really talk about, which is just a timeline of fandom and profit. It's kind of interesting. It's on the fan lore and it doesn't mention Podfic as specifically, but um, but it's kind of interesting if you just want to know um, over the years how things have. I, I mean, I think fandom as fandom has come into the mainstream a little bit more. That naturally, it's happened where money gets involved. So that's kind of interesting. And the second thing is the document mentioned by Lunchy in the interview, which is um, ACX and Podfickers. It's just an intro to the program and how you can do it, um, how it works. Uh, it's a really good document. That's a good um, informational point, even beyond what she talked about in the interview. And now Rex. So my first rec is uh, a new-to-me story, which I just found when I was kind of browsing Amplificathon this week. And it is called That One Thing That Happened That One Time, read <laughs> by Katie Hart and written by Maple Clef. Um, it's a Rivers of London podfic which is book series by Ben Aranovich that I've read recently. It's very good. Um, very, very London-y mysteries with a bit of kind of magical realism thrown in. Quite cool, if you like that sort of thing. Um, and it's an extra scene that doesn't take place in... Rivers of London is the first book. It's, this is an extra scene that doesn't take place during the book, but prior, quite, you know, like 40 years prior, but it explains something <laughs> that happens in the book, basically. Um, it's kind of a fan fanon explanation for something that's a question mark um and i don't know i i find and i think i've said it before that with podfic i like i i will listen to podfics of things that i never would have read like un, because i like like small unusual fandoms or things that you know just like extra scenes like this or whatever whereas if i read i tend to read in in just like three main fandoms and not sway yeah not yeah. stray um but, but yeah I, I really enjoyed this um I probably wouldn't have gone looking for anything Rivers of London, but if I'm browsing Amplificathon like that, I'll grab it something that sounds interesting. Um, I think Katie Hart has a really nice storytelling voice, and this is 
there's nothing complicated in the, in this fic. It's a story of something just just a little like moment in time between um, these three people, Molly Nightingale and Harold, um, and explaining something that that another person in the book is finds weird later on. Um, and she just has this nice quiet style that really works for it, just as a kind of snapshot. Um, yeah. And I just I just enjoyed it. I just think it's you know it's if if you like that book and you're interested in in just a little extra bit of info it's it's a great one so cool all right both of my recs today are actually old favorites and and when i say old i mean like old five years or something a long time ago but they're still on my computer and as a compulsive deleter that actually means a lot (laughs) um the first one is actually they're both written and uh read by by the author um, the first one is Jeeves in the Monetary Imbalance by Tridentur, who writes some amazing Jeeves and Wooster stories, and she's podficked a great deal of them. This one is <sighs> Jeeves comes into some money. Lucky old Jeeves. And I like through, how you uh, have followed our theme there. I didn't even try. Look at that. <laughs> Well, no, and there's another there's another thing that kind of follows the theme as well. Um, she she actually has recorded a lot of her Jeeves and Wooster stories, and this is back in like 2008. I, I'd listened to them a long time. Um, you know, I, I'd, I'd listened to a lot of her stuff, and then she brought out a pod fic in a different fandom, and she. She's North American, and she'd always done an English accent in all yeah. her Jeeves and Wooster stories, and it was so good to me anyway, non, a non-English person, that I just assumed she was English. Oh, so, yeah, every time I hear her North American accent, it freaks me out because it doesn't sound right. But, yeah, she does an amazing accent. And, um, I mean, Jeeves, Jeeves and Wooster, there has to be a kind of energy to it for me, like a really bouncy kind of, I mean, Wooster's kind of a bit of a, a, <laughs> a bit of a dog. <laughs> so yeah, there has to be a really cool, um, yeah, energetic tone to it, which she always gets. And I mean, because she's reading her own stuff, she doesn't necessarily have to interpret it. She knows what she's going for. Mm-hmm. It's just always really entertaining to me to listen to her stuff. So yes, if you if you're into that fandom, um, start with Jeeves and the Monetary Imbalance. But yeah, listen to all the rest of her stuff as well. It's fantastic. I will definitely listen if for no other reason than to judge the British accent. That exactly. I, you know, I don't mean judge it like meanly. I I always am no, no. fascinated by people who can do accents well because despite living a million years, I hear I, <laughs> you know, accents are hard, basically. And I'd be so. interested to hear what you think as well because as I said, I, I'm not. Yeah. English. It's hard to judge English. if it's if you don't hear it daily. Yeah. Yeah, yeah sure. Yeah. Huh, interesting. Um, my second rec is also one not quite as old as those, but a couple years old that I have listened to, I don't know, nine million times or so. Um, it's always one I come back to as like a comfort listen. Um, and it is called The Work of Wings. It's um recorded by Night Tracer and Rhea 314 and written by the Fourth of Vine. And this is a, a hockey fic. It's Sidney Crosby and Gino, and it's it's such a bizarre story in some ways. It's like Sidney, he's had a concussion previously, and then he gets injured 
in a game again. Um, and when he wakes up, he has like, they don't, he doesn't know what it is at first. Um, and he and Gino kind of self-diagnose it, but it, but he has like extra memories when he wakes up. And that's actually all the summary <laughs> says. It just says Sydney wakes up with extra memories, but it turns out that he has this like old Russian hockey star who's dead who who died young <laughs> in his head, like and, and the hockey star can like as you do. Yeah, I know, I know. It sounds so insane, but it's such a good story, and the plot fit is amazing. Um, yeah, and like the hockey star can like take over, and you know he has like unfinished business, you know, and they have to figure out or whatever. Basically, <laughs> it's it's just like Sydney is so uncomfortable with the entire thing. Night Tracer reads Gino, and Rhea reads Sydney, and she's so good at kind of his discomfort and it, like just complete <laughs> like it's so out of his comfort zone like he just hates it the entire thing so he's freaking out about it and then Gino is like so protective and and they also have to do Karlamov's voice as well so so they're having that distinct voice in there in you know in addition to each of them doing a POV um it's just it's yeah. a really incredibly emotional story like <laughs> I know it sounds crazy but it's like Karlamov, like, he died young and he left a family behind and, you know, he doesn't know what happened to his wife and things like that. So they, they have to tell him all these things. And then, you yeah. know, at the same time, like, Sydney is, like, dealing with how difficult the whole situation is for him. And it's just – and then Gino, you know, is protective of Sydney, but he also knows, like, Sydney has walls. And it's so, like – it re it's really emotional and they do it so well like it's a really good combination of voices as well you know like i think multi-voice projects you know no matter what it's always fun to have a lot of voices but these guys read really well together like the voices are different enough that you you feel the change but they blend well i don't know yeah so yeah, yeah full points i i've listened to it untold number of times i you know so i always come back oh. to it my second and last party crack is uh, written and read by Candlebeck, which I, I hope you've listened to something of hers, not necessarily you as in Jen, but, some, <laughs> you know, the audience. Yeah. Because Candlebeck is one of the most unique, powerful voices um, that I've ever heard in, in fandom, both as a writer and as a, as a pod figure. She's just, she has this really gravelly, raw voice nice. that can put so much emotion in I mean look supernatural for me is all about Dean mm -hmm. and Dean is just chock full of emotions <laughs> you know what I mean he's just in so much pain for most of the series that I've watched anyway and I you can know, only imagine it worse after I stopped you know um because I don't watch supernatural but like I was a Gilmore Girls fan back in the day like big time and I have to remember yeah. which of the supernatural boys is which by being like oh the one who was Dean <laughs> is not Dean in supernatural Dean is not Gilmore Girls <laughs> yeah so if you say Dean I have to be like oh that's the guy who's in Smallville basically <laughs> <laughs> was Dean in Smallville I'm pretty sure he was he was like a coach or something Jensen Ackles right oh. that's him yeah 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 I'm pretty sure he's in Smallville yeah <laughs> and then the one who isn't Dean, so Sam, it was Dean in yeah. Gilmore Girls. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry. Anyway. <laughs> anyway, Dean is emotional. <laughs> He's full of emotions. And, yeah, I just, I've never been able, nobody for me has been able to match Candlebeck's uh, ability to insert this kind of constant grief into into Dean's voice for me she's just it's it's really 
it has a big impact. I like I could listen to one of her, any one of her supernatural pod picks and just immediate feelings will start happening for me. So yeah, yeah if, even if you're not a supernatural person, she's done stuff in, in a couple of other fandoms as well. A, a few. She's done a lot of, of pod picks really. So she is a general reader wreck for me. She's amazing. Yeah. So, but for the purposes of this, Last Day on Earth, which is a Sam Dean supernatural story, is the one I'm reckoning today. Yeah, your description of her voice sounds so cool. It definitely it makes me want to listen because that's kind yeah, of an like, unusual voice type in in Podfic, I think. It's that's that's what I mean. She's so different from yeah. from anyone else. Yeah, and you'll yeah. either love it or hate it because. I really think it's a polarizing style that she has, so yeah, nice. which is not a bad thing. No, I, I mean, nice to inspire great emotion, mm. you know. Mm. Yeah, cool. Yeah. Um, well, that about wraps us up. Um, we hope you enjoyed the podcast. We would love to hear from you um, on the topic money and podfic, or on anything else you feel like saying to us, or if you have a podfic wreck. All of those and more, send us a talk back. <laughs> um, links and information on, on our site for how to do that. Um, and otherwise, we will see you next month when we will be talking about music and sound effects in Podfic. And goodbye. Bye. Bye.